Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Mike McNamara in for a Tuesday edition of All Marine Radio here on your home for it, the All Warrior Radio Network. Um, going to do something a little bit different today. Um, what I want to do is I want to kind of walk you through this uh, this controversy that has blown up around things that Tucker Carlson had on his program last week. And uh, so let me tell you what we're going to do today. I, I, I'm going to kind of give you the anatomy of this this thing. I spent a little time with it yesterday. Um, and one of the things that, you, that that is the irony of it is, you know, one of General Austin's first showpiece cases of extremism might be one that he didn't really anticipate. And that is a woke command with an out-of-control Twitter account that intimidates everybody in the organization along certain lines. Don't say certain things. What's that called? It's called harassment. Now, if it was sexual in nature, right, everybody would be, uh, everybody would be up in arms. So, uh, but what I, want, what I want to do today, though, is lay out what happened. Right, because you see all these, you know, different Twitter, you know, uh, all these different tweets, if you will. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to piece it together for you. And um, and what what I will do is I'll walk you through his piece that he ran uh, last Thursday, uh, which would have been the 11th. And then you're going to hear from a master gunnery sergeant, Marine type. He's described as a senior enlisted leader in the U.S. Space Command. 
Now, he's a master gunnery sergeant, right? So um, his name is Scott Stalker. And you're going to hear a video that he made. And then you're going to hear Tucker Carlson. This will all go, this will all go in chronological order. Tucker Carlson uh, um, had about a 45-minute uh, statement he made about all of this on Friday night. Then the Marine Corps, and on, also on Friday, the 2MEF information group Twitter account decided that they would get involved in it, right? That they would take on with the official organizational Twitter account that they would take on a civilian media personality, okay? And so I will read you those things as they published them. Um, and then on Saturday, this same Twitter account decides to get into a tit-for-tat with different people that responded to what they put out. And I will read those things to you verbatim, and you'll hear those. Um, and then uh, last night, uh, Tucker Carlson did another interview with the U.S. Army colonel. And um, you'll hear that, too. Because, um, as I said before, the issue that he's getting at is readiness. Now, what everybody responds to is the veneer of... And you're going to hear exactly what he says, okay? You're going to hear exactly what he says. And so there's a substantive discussion to be had here. But I think it's important to kind of, that the adults show up, right? You, you say, okay, exactly what happened and how did we get here? And then how do we get to the substantive issue? Because that's what's really important here. Okay, so with all that said, I'm not going to play the national anthem. I'm not going to dedicate this to anybody today. Um, the first thing you're going to hear is um, is about 14 minutes and <laughs> it's about 14 minutes and 40 seconds, right? And it is um, Tucker Carlson. And here it is. And, and I want you to listen because, you know, he's taken a task for um, slamming women and, and, and pregnant uh, uh, flight suits for pregnant women. But when you hear what he says is, is what he's really getting after is the president and this, this woke thing that has overtaken the military that has a focus that's completely not on war fighting. And so that's what he's taking on. And you'll hear him say, hey, if it's proven that pregnant women make the, the, the best pilots, then let's have all our, all our pilots be pregnant. All right, let's do that. So what he's getting after is this idea of there is no scrutiny. There is no thought to this. There is no thought to where this takes us. There is no thought that it's just another woke issue. And you have the President of the United States over there saying woke things. Now, let me I, I will tell you this. To me, Tucker Carlson did not need to, to take up this issue. He did not need to do that. And what he did was he took 
the occasion of its Women's Month, right? The president speaking about women, right? And he took that, and I think that's the weakest part of all of this, right? He took that, and that's what he used to introduce this discussion. He didn't need to do that, okay? So I will say to me, that, and, and that's, you know, maybe they sat down and said, okay, how are we going to make this an issue? Well, let's take on his, uh, his comments about women. All right, we'll use that as our entry point. And he could they could have done that a whole lot of ways, you know, without using women. But it's what they decided to do as an editorial um, decision. And they are in the business of getting viewers and making money. Never forget that. Okay, so this is that segment. Joe Biden was elected as a moderate who was going to stay the course, return this country to normalcy. It turns out Biden is changing the United States faster than any president ever has in American history. Our job on this show is to pay attention to exactly how Joe Biden is changing it. The New York Times isn't going to tell you. We think you have a right to know. Now, not every change that Joe Biden makes will matter over time. Despite all the huffing and puffing, a lot of things that presidents do are quickly forgotten. Some of the things Joe Biden promises won't happen. Others are just symbolic ring kissing designed to appease the interest groups that got him elected. But some of Biden's changes are very real and they matter very much. Nothing matters more than what Joe Biden does to our U.S. military. Our military is the last functional institution of any size in this country. It's the last institution most people trust and respect. It is by far the most important. A weak military means no country, period. So on Monday, when we saw Joe Biden pledge to bring a, quote, intensity of purpose and mission to really change the culture and habits of the U.S. military, we paid attention to it. Here's what Biden said. Some of it's relatively uh, straightforward work where we're making good progress, designing body armor that fits women properly, tailoring combat uniforms for women, creating maternity flight suits, and updating, uh, updating requirements for their hairstyles. Creating maternity flight suits. Maybe those suits have been around for a while. We'd never heard of them. But here was the president of the United States promoting them at a press conference. And that phrase stuck out not because we have some hateful bias against pregnant women flying military jets. We're pro-pregnancy, as we often say. We're also open-minded. Maybe pregnant women make the best pilots. The Department of Defense measures everything, so there's got to be extensive research on this question. If the Pentagon can show that pregnant pilots are the best, we will be the first to demand an entire Air Force of pregnant pilots. The problem is we're pretty confident that Joe Biden hasn't asked to see those numbers. We'd bet money that Joe Biden never even thought to ask. The rest of us depend on the U.S. military to protect our families and protect the country itself. But Joe Biden doesn't see it that way. Finding the most effective military pilots or infantry officers or SEAL teams is not his priority. It's not even close to his priority. Identity politics is Joe Biden's priority. It's all that matters. You see this attitude throughout the U.S. government as well as in the corporate world. Key positions filled on the basis of physical appearance without any reference to ability or experience. Now, you can get by with that if you're Citibank, which now cares more about wokeness than about banking. They can explain the results to their shareholders 10 years from now. 
But it is not fine if your only job is to protect the United States from people who want to kill the rest of us. That is the worst kind of dereliction of duty. Yet it's happening right now on an enormous scale. Just this week, the Biden administration announced that the Pentagon will pay for gender reassignment surgery for active duty personnel. How do sex changes in the military make this country safer? That's not a trick question. It's not another volley in the culture war. It's the only question that matters, literally the only question that matters. But no one bothered to ask it, probably because no one can remember why the U.S. military exists. Here's a reminder. The U.S. military exists to fight and win wars. That's its only purpose. The U.S. military is not an NGO. It is not a vehicle for achieving equity. It's not a social experiment. It's definitely not an employment agency. Nobody has a God-given right to work in the military. No one does, and that includes all of us. If you ever hear this show whine that Delta Force is discriminating against paunchy 51-year-old cable news hosts, you'll know that we have lost the thread because it's not about us. It's about the country. Making people feel valued and included is a good thing. It is not the point of the U.S. military. It cannot be the point of the U.S. military or else we're done. Now, that used to be obvious. The military was the purest meritocracy that we had. If you get a minute, go back and listen to some of the speeches that Colin Powell used to give about his experience in the U.S. Army. The military was willing to judge Colin Powell purely on his talents, something that few would do at the time. Powell was smart and capable, and for that reason, in the end, he became chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He was justly proud of that, and so was the country he served. Would Colin Powell's story be possible today? No, it wouldn't. Joe Biden has put a man called Lloyd Austin in charge of the Pentagon. Biden plucked Austin from the cynical world of private equity, but you're not supposed to notice that. You're supposed to notice only that Lloyd Austin is black. The real headline, however, is that Lloyd Austin is the second defense secretary in a row to have been on the payroll of Raytheon, the massive defense contractor. If you saw something like that happen in a Central American country, you would call it corruption, and you would be right. For centuries, our military has been self-consciously nonpartisan. In a democracy, it has to be that way. The military has to be nonpartisan. No country can survive if its armed forces become a tool of a specific political party. We know that because it happens all the time, all over the world, and the consequences are always horrifying. It has never happened here. But Lloyd Austin is openly political. In his first days on the job, Austin made the entire armed services submit to a kind of political purity test. Anyone who had views that Lloyd Austin found, quote, extreme, had to leave. The rest of us watched as this happened. We saw it. Once again, no one said anything. The left approved. The right felt hamstrung because they support the troops. Of course, if you support the troops, you probably should speak up when they're being abused, as they were. Then Lloyd Austin set about accelerating poisonous trends already in progress at the Pentagon. Worst of these is the use of irrelevant criteria in hiring and promotion. In order to meet the demands of various Democratic interest groups, the Pentagon has dramatically lowered standards in the services. Now, spokesmen officially deny this, but it is true. Ask anyone who works there. If you press the spokesman, they'll tell you that it's not really a big deal because traditional standards don't really measure anything. Well, then why have them in the first place? Why have standards at all? It doesn't make sense. They're lying. And they're lying because they have to lie. Politicians have demanded it. Now, if you dare to point any of this out, they become hysterical. 
and they become hysterical because they can't defend their own policies. When people can't defend what they've done, they yell. They can't even explain what those policies are, at least in public, so they attack. You hear politicians like Tammy Duckworth say that it's unpatriotic to question the Pentagon unless you have served in the military yourself. You haven't earned that right. Really? Can only cops talk about police brutality? If you haven't been elected to office, are you allowed to criticize Congress? They're not making a real argument. They're trying to silence dissent. Not playing along. Sorry. Every American citizen has a right, maybe an obligation, to know what the military they pay for is doing. Because- All right. If, you just, if you've just tuned in, you're listening to the 14-minute and 40-second segment of Tucker Carlson from Thursday night, his show last Thursday night, that has created a bit of a firestorm, certainly, that has embroiled the Marine Corps. So that's what you're listening to. And then I'm going to walk you through the chronology of how this thing spooled. I think you'll find it interesting. Our lives may depend on it. Today, the Department of Defense launched a large and coordinated public relations offensive against this show. Pentagon brass issued hostile statements. People in uniform sent out videos on social media. The DOD even issued a news release attacking us. Press Secretary Smites, Fox News host. Smites. Like we're a hostile foreign power. We suspect this is one war they might actually win. They've got a manpower advantage. We could play you a lot of tape from this today. It took up most of their day, and we could marvel over it. Since when does the Pentagon declare war on a domestic news operation? Can't remember that ever happening. But we're not going to do that. We're going to pass. Because this is bigger than a feud with some flack at the Pentagon. This is genuinely worrisome. The Department of Defense has never been more aggressively or openly political. Tonight, there are 2,500 American troops stationed in Afghanistan, and they remain there to prevent the fall of Kabul to extremists. At the same time, there are 5,000 troops in our own capital tonight, also as protection against extremists, meaning people who voted for the losing candidate in the last election. Judging by those numbers, the Pentagon is now twice as focused on controlling our own citizens as it is on controlling the Taliban. Meanwhile, as Lloyd Austin hyperventilates about white supremacy, there are real threats out there, and the biggest ones continue to be ignored. Those threats are not Syria, they're not suburban Virginia, they're not domestic extremism, at least right now. The main threat that we face, and everyone who is honest knows this, is the government of China. China is ascendant. Their economy will soon outpace ours. China now has the largest navy on the planet. Why do they have that? Why did they feel the need to build it? Does that have potential consequences for us? Yes. If China moved against Taiwan, how exactly would we respond? More likely, if the Chinese decide to close international shipping lanes, it would cripple our economy. If they decide to shut down our internet, it would bring our life to a halt. If it is decided to occupy Malaysia, that would be a grave concern to the world. If any of these things happen, or a hundred other things that might happen, what exactly would our Pentagon do about it? Can the U.S. military still win a real war? Those are the questions that matter. Those are the only questions that matter, which may be why Joe Biden wants to talk about maternity flight suits. Joining us now is someone who has spent a lot of his life in or around the U.S. military. 
retired Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North. He's the author of Veterans Lament. Is this the America our heroes fought for? He joins us tonight. Colonel, thanks so much for coming on. You, you, Good to be you with gotta you, wonder, I, th I thought of you this morning and of people like you, some of them relatives of mine, what you must think watching the leadership, in some cases civilian leadership, but al also the uniform leadership, at the Pentagon turn so starkly political. What effect is that going to have? Well, you know what? They're, they're, they're trying to send you a message. It's time you woke up, in the full meaning of that, in our modern jargon. Uh, the, yeah. the reality of it is that they're outraged at you for playing the president's comments at the Pentagon. That statement about flight suits and hairdos and things like that, and I'm not trying to denigrate it, I'm just saying that statement was made after he made his first visit to the Pentagon talking about the most important thing our military does. And you summed it up a moment ago. Our military has two missions, no more than that. Number one, deter war. And number two, right. if you have to fight a war, win it, okay? They're outraged that, that you basically allow the president to step on it. It, you, you replayed what other people had not just totally ignored. Look at it's even worse, and you summed it up. Secretary of Defense Austin, in congressional hearings, has said one of his primary missions, and I'm quoting now, stamp out sexual assaults, rid the ranks of racists and extremists. And what does that mean? That means that someone is going to have to find out who they are. He also said, you cannot defend America, keep America safe, is the way I think he put it, from our enemies if we have enemies lying within our own ranks. Now, I served over, overall 25 years, 22 as a U.S. Marine officer, okay? I was wearing a uniform for a quarter of a century. I never saw, when I, when I came in the Marine Corps, I believe that the actual expression was in those days, you had to sign a document under pain of perjury. And one of the questions on it was, are you now or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party. And then they added on Nazi Party. And then they've added on a whole bunch of others. It's called Standard Form 86 for a security clearance. And it's, it's now volumes, what used to be four total pages. I interviewed for that book you just put up. I interviewed my colleague and I, Dave Gaddison, or Dave Catch and I, interviewed 500 veterans, okay? Here's one of the most important things about our military. Our military has in it tens of thousands of what we call legacy volunteers. It's an all-volunteer force. We don't draft anybody. All, I'll give you an example. My dad was a World War II hero. He's the first hero I ever knew. I've kept, my, I've kept company with heroes most of my life. My brothers and I all served in uniform. Why? Not because dad said we had to. Dad said, you want to. And, and that's why we all served, all of us in combat, my brothers and I. Now, I look at those kinds of things and say to myself, and we've, we've asked, gone back and asked this question now. The, the expression, I've got your back, is one you see played out in the movies, or I'm covering your six. I've got your back are, are four very important words. They're not a sentiment, they're a pledge. And that pledge goes up and it goes down. It goes to the guy standing beside you who's carrying a real AR weapon, not, not ones that they voted in the, in the House of Representatives today about. The bottom line of it is, that loyalty pledge goes all the way to the top. Does this president have the backs of those guys who volunteered to come in the service? I don't think, I don't think so. It, this, is, this witch hunt that's now underway, 1.5 million man days lost from readiness and preparing to deal with the number one adversary that we've got on the planet Earth, the communist Chinese and Xi Jinping. Yeah.
It's all, it's all, you put it so clearly, and I think it's clear to everyone who's paying attention except to the people in charge, which is, which is terrifying. Colonel North, I appreciate your coming on tonight. It was great yeah. to see you. Thank you. Semper Fi, buddy. All right. Now, that takes place Thursday night, the 11th. Okay, if I have my days right, let me just make sure that I do. Uh, so, hold on. Okay, so Thursday night, the 11th. All right, now, on the 12th, there's a master gunnery sergeant that works at the U.S. Space Command. Right, His name is Scott Stalker. He's described as a senior enlisted leader. Now, I haven't been to the U.S. Space Command's um, uh, website, so I don't know if he is the senior enlisted leader or simply a senior enlisted leader in the command. I would think there would be a sergeant major filling that billet, but who the hell am I? Um, now, the video's taken, standing in front of the, fl the flags that looks like the American flag in his office. He's in uniform. The American flag that looks like the Marine Corps colors are directly behind him, and U.S. Space Command's flag is over his shoulder. Okay, so I want you to hear what he says in response to Tucker Carlson. This is the second event. Drama TV. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what I call it. I'll apologize up front and tell you that I don't have cable news at home. I don't have it here in the office, and I don't watch a lot of drama TV. I understand some comments were made yesterday, and I watched the clip that Mr. Carlson produced as he referred to pregnant women in the military. I'll remind everyone that his opinion, which he has a, a right to, is based off of actually zero days of service in the armed forces. Let me offer you my opinion. My opinion is based off of 28 years of actual service in the military, 28 years in the Marine Corps, in combat operations out at sea, and in garrison. And so he was talking specifically about pregnant women in the armed forces today and how it makes us less, less lethal and less fit and less ready. Let me tell you where he's wrong. Those decisions were made by medical professionals, by commanders, and our civilian leadership that allows for women to have more time with their children to recuperate, to get fit and ready, to take that time that's necessary that our medical professionals know is needed, which actually makes us a more lethal and ready and fit force, ready to fight the wars of today and the wars of tomorrow. The bottom line is that we value women in our, in our armed forces. We value the, those that have served in the past, and we value those that have served today. We value our families in the military. I want to say God bless everyone that is serving today. God bless the women that are serving today. God bless the men and women that are serving today. God bless our country, our partners, and our allies. Let's get back to work. Let's remember that those opinions were made by an individual who has never served a day in his life. Let's remember that's all about drama TV. God bless America. Semper Fidelis. All right. So that happens Friday. Okay. Now, I'm going to read you the first two tweets that happened Friday morning. Now, I read someplace that these tweets are in response to that video right there. I don't know if that's exactly true. But, all right, um, let me pull these up here. So, um, 
and again, this is from the official Twitter account, not somebody's personal account, the twi- the official twi- Twitter account of the 2MEF Information Group. Now, what is the 2MEF Information Group? Right? The Information Group is Intelligence Battalion, Radio Battalion, um, hold on, Intelligence Battalion, <laughs> Radio Battalion, Com, Com, so in this case, 8th Com is a part of this organization and whatever other cats and dogs they would put in it used to be called MEF headquarters group well now they've they they've made it its own intelligence group okay so at 5:58 a.m. on Friday this tweet goes out from an official Marine Corps Twitter account right so there's a picture of a female marine carrying another female marine on a beach it looks like uh, off the off the east coast because the surf is so small, um, and and with this with this this these pros, all right. So that picture goes up. What it looks like in today's armed forces at Tucker Carlson, and then this insult, and then I don't know. Is it a threat? You be the judge. Get right before you get left, Boomer an insult because of his age. And then um, then the following hashtags. Hashtags women. Hashtags we are Marines. Hashtag C- Tucker Carlson. Hashtag Fox News. Hacks, hashtag Marines. Hashtag currently serving. Hashtag USMC women. Right? And then it says Twitter.com US Space Command. So I take that as um, as that they did watch the video that I just played for you. Okay. Some dude named Scott Malkinson, right? some guy says, writes this on Twitter in response. Please focus on China and not Tucker Carlson. Okay. The 2MEF, the official... 2MEF Twitter, 2MEF IG information group, Twitter account responds to that, right? Again, the official, the official, this is a regiment, a Marine Corps regiment responds to that. Please focus on China, not Tucker Carlson. Come back when you've served and been pregnant. Okay. And then somebody titled, it's an old, just an old Marine, writes this. I see a highly motivated Marine in this photo. And that's a photo of a, of a female Marine carrying an ammo can right in her left hand and another female Marine over her right shoulder on the beach, okay, in uniform doing, I think, truth be told, she's got an ammo can in her hand. I think it's the uh, Tony Stein event that they do. In in uh, in two meth, Tony Sign is a is a uh, is a Medal of Honor recipient from the Battle of Iwo Jima, and I've I've read about this and I've seen actually footage of it, and I think that's what they might be doing. But what they do is they replicate his deeds going back to the beach barefoot, right, several times covering those distances with an ammo can and carrying somebody. So when he went back to the beach, he would carry somebody, get ammunition come back out and fight uh, 
in a weapon called with a weapon called the Stinger that he made. Yeah, it was a it was a light aircraft mounted thirty millimeter machine gun that he then put a stock on. Yeah, and he was killed on day one. I believe it was day one of Iwo Jima. Um, so anyway, that's the that's the background of the picture. So anyway, just an old Marine says this. I see a highly motivated Marine in this photo, and I'm damn proud to see how far we have come. That said, passion for the issue is commendable, but the context of Boomer describes millions of Americans, no matter their view, derogatorily on an official site. Perhaps check that? Question mark. And now listen to this. Listen to this bullshit tweet that, that got sent in reply to that. So someone acting as if this is their own personal Twitter account now. I don't know who the hell this is. We agree. Maybe that was a tad harsh, but aggressiveness is in our nature, and we are passionate about hashtag one team, one fight. Now that is the official regimental Twitter account for an active duty organization in the Marine Corps. Okay. Now, so that happens Friday. Tucker Carlson responds Friday evening on his program. And so let me let me play you the rest of the audio. Um, it's only about 45 seconds. Well, it was quite an experience yesterday being the very first target in the Pentagon's new Operation Silence, the talk show hosts. Friends called us in concern. Are you guys all right? And for a minute, we'll concede we were almost rattled. Then we realized if the woke generals treat us like they've treated the Taliban, we'll be fine. 20 years later, the Taliban are still here. Maybe we ought to promise the Pentagon that we'll get rid of traditional gender roles on this show, change the pronouns, defeat the patriarchy and all that. Then they'd send us billions in unmarked $100 bills as a reward. They've certainly done that before. And that might really kickstart our struggling opium poppy business. Something to think about. Anyway, we're fine. So thank you for the concern. <laughs> so, so that was his response to that. All right. Now, so Saturday, right, Saturday at 4.37 Eastern Time, whoever is responsible for that Twitter account gets on Twitter again and begins again. The first reply is to somebody named Skillset Magazine and the USMC official Twitter account. So when you put at USMC, this appears in the Marine Corps Twitter account. So this person is, 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 is think about this. This is how right this person thinks they are in terms of saying what, the, what you're going to hear that I say. They're going to blast it out to the Marine Corps Twitter account. Right? So this is what they say. We can do better and we will collectively take a knee, review our procedures, and get back in the fight. And you're right. Our focus is to train, fight, and win. So a little bit of a mea culpa there, right? So that's that gets sent at at four thirty seven. Right? A second one gets sent within the at marked at the same minute. Sent that one and then this. Bluff, meaning bottom line up front. We are human. 
and what was intended as a tweet in support of our female Marines and sisters serving in uniform was clearly not aligned with our standard practices or an appropriate representation of the Marine Corps. That goes out later that minute. Okay, now, (laughs) this goes out 10 minutes later at 4.47. This is in response to uh, Scott Malkinson, who wrote, Please Focus on China, Not Tucker Carlson. A woman by the name of Virginia Cruda who wrote, um, Tucker Carlson's point was that the priority should always be mission first, and the current administration is telegraphing a very different set of priorities. At no point did he say that pregnant women shouldn't serve or couldn't serve honorably. Okay, so here's the response, right? We are human, and that tweet was intended to support our female warfighters. We can do better, and we will collectively take a knee, review our procedures, and get back in the fight. Our focus is to train, fight, and win. That's 10 minutes later. Four minutes after that, this tweet goes out to somebody else. This guy's name is John Cardillo, who wrote, An official Department of Defense USMC account signaling out and threatening an American citizen. I guess, and then he's at SecDef, so this is to Lloyd Austin's Twitter account, is too busy cashing in his defense stock millions to do his damn job. So, so the Tumef IG Twitter account responds, we are human and we messed up. What was intended to be a tweet in support of our female Marines and sisters serving in uniform was clearly not aligned with our standard practices or an appropriate representation of the Marine Corps. We will do better and serve the people. <laughs> Who's writing this, right? So that's at 451. On Saturday, this is five minutes later at 4.56. This is to a gentleman by the name of Carmine Sabia, okay, who wrote this. This is from the official Marine Corps? If this is what our fucking force is focused on, we are going to become a fucking laughingstock. I love our military, but if it is focused on a television host and laughably maternity uniforms, we are in for some ass kickings, right? So this person, undeterred, right? Undeterred. Writes this to Carmine Carmine Sabia. We are here to train, fight, and win. That tweet was intended to defend our women in uniform. We understand it was aggressive, and we will reflect and do better. Okay? Now, that's that's at 4.56. At 5.02, this gets sent to a guy named Bill Malugan. He is with Fox Los Angeles. He's a new guy. He's a news guy, not a new guy. So he tweets this. Pretty wild to see this tweet from a U.S., an official U.S. military account. Okay, he had tweeted that the day before. And then he got this. We are human and we messed up. We intended to speak up for female Marines and it was an effort to support them. They are a crucial part of our core. The word core is not capitalized, 
right? And we need them to know that. We will adjust fire and ensure the utmost professionalism in our tweets. Oh, yeah, it continues. It continues. So that's a 502. Right? This is a shit show, man. And here is the here is the last thing that they respond to at 5.06 before this thing goes silent. Okay? So this is again addressed to that guy, John Cardillo. Um, right? Who wrote, I guess SecDef is too busy cashing in his defense stock millions to do his damn job. Right? And he also wrote, an official Department of Defense USMC account signaling out and threatening an American citizen. Right, and then there's a guy. It's also addressed to a guy named Pete D'Ambrosca. He writes, "Are you guys going to target me next for my political opinions?" So, the Twitter account then tees both of them up and writes this: "We can do better, and we will collectively take a knee, review our procedures, get back in the fight. Our focus is to train, fight, and win, and we have a hard time doing that without your support." All that bullshit, right? Until somebody says, stop, what in the hell is going on? Okay, so that happens on Saturday. And then, and then the Twitterverse explodes in rage, right? Right? P- people defending women who are pregnant, who Tucker Carlson never attacks, right? <laughs> right? And then people attacking right this attack on an individual journalist by a, an official Twitter account of the American military being used as somebody's personal bullshit. Okay? Now, the next thing I want you to hear is an interview from last night, and then Will Cosentini is going to join me, and, uh, and we'll get his thoughts on all that. Okay, so this is Tucker Carlson from last night uh, interviewing uh, a retired army colonel because at issue here is the whole idea of readiness and how the American military in its woke nature now is getting further and further from devotion to this idea and how dangerous that is to the country. And so we'll get Will's thoughts on all of that and the politicalization of the military. And I'll tell you what, if you if you if if you look at the commanding officer, his his Twitter account, you're gonna see a tweet applauding what the regimental account was doing. That might be a problem. Right? That might be your personal political views, right? Attacking an American citizen, using your regimental Twitter account. Right, as your own personal like tool, not what it was ever intended for. And, and and to me, how far astray does that take us? All right, so this is a, probably about six or seven minute Tucker Carlson last night uh, with the U.S. Army Colonel retired. Well, it turns out when you suggest the Pentagon may be lowering the standards for troops and thus affecting our ability to successfully win wars. For political reasons, they don't like it. But that doesn't change the fact that that's exactly what they're doing. 
In December, the Defense Department signed off on 15 recommendations from its so-called Inclusion Board. Those recommendations are slated to be completed by the end of this month, March. According to the Pentagon, quote, Acting Defense Secretary Chris Miller signed a memo entitled Actions to Improve Racial and Ethnic Diversity and Inclusion in the U.S. Military, and that examined the culture of the military following the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis, end quote. One of those recommendations was to, quote, remove aptitude test barriers that adversely impact diversity. Separately, the Pentagon is now reportedly considering lowering fitness standards for female recruits. The military had adopted a gender-neutral test that scored men and women on the same basis, the idea being they would have to fight the same wars. Turns out, though, that far more than half of the women who took the test failed it, so they apparently are ditching that. The question is whether or not this helps diversity, will it help us win wars and defend the country? Douglas McGregor is in a good position to answer that question. He's a retired Army colonel. We're happy to have him on tonight. Doug McGregor, thanks so much for coming on. Sure. So the military is doing these things and has been doing them for a long time in order to achieve political goals. Most of us don't see the military as a political organization, but as our last line of defense against hostile foreign powers. Do these changes make it more or less likely the Pentagon will be able to defend the country? Well, Tucker, I think the last 20 years have had a profoundly negative impact on the American military, particularly on the combat forces that have had to go through these long occupations, long deployments without clear missions and attainable objectives. And as a result of this, we've also fought a very weak enemy, an enemy without air forces, without air defenses, without right. armies. And people reach erroneous conclusions about the nature of combat under those circumstances. And I think to some extent that's what's happened now, so that there's a readiness to uh, accommodate PC demands from policymakers who frankly have a cocktail level of familiarity with real war, uh, when otherwise senior officers would put up much more serious resistance. So the answer to your question is, I think these policies are detrimental in most cases, and, and probably divisive. So the rest of the world is, of course, paying close attention to this. We have been the world's supreme military power for a long time. What is the view of our adversaries and potential adversaries of these, of these political changes that we've made to our military? Well, none of our potential opponents, uh, whether they are in the Middle East, Northeast Asia, Eastern Europe, doesn't make any difference, none of them would even think of adopting any of these positions and policies under any circumstances. They are training for the Super Bowl. And I think that's important for us to understand. We have been fighting or essentially playing against pickup teams. We are not training, organizing, fighting power to deal with the Super Bowl. They are. So I think we're in for a real surprise under the circumstances. Many of the assumptions that we're making about what will or won't work they will be destroyed. I, I have to ask you, we're going to be doing, I, I think, a lot on this on the show, but China is projecting power all over this hemisphere, all throughout the Caribbean and Latin America, e even very close to our shores in, for example, the Bahamas. Um, is, is the military, is the Pentagon aware of that? It doesn't, I, you, you almost never hear anything from the Pentagon about what looks like, obviously, a potential threat. Do you think they're paying attention or the attention that they should be paying to this? 
Oh, actually, I think they're doing more than paying attention. They talk about it all the time because they link uh, their budgets and their force structures to this enormous Chinese threat that they hype. Uh, quite frankly, I think it's overdone. And I think that it would make much more sense for us to talk to the Chinese, since we are the ones that sail carrier battle groups up and down the Straits of Taiwan. We are the ones that are challenging the Chinese in the South China Sea about their islets on ostensibly freedom of navigation missions. I think we might find that the Chinese are willing to talk to us and we can avoid collisions that way. Interesting. I, I, I wonder, after, you know, all of these political, uh, very sort of obvious political expressions from the military, um, if rank and file, the people who actually fight the wars, are confident in their leadership? Is it possible to know that? It's difficult to ascertain. It depends on whom you talk to and under what circumstances. All I can tell you is that uh, until you fight a really capable enemy, you can make many assumptions about the force that are erroneous. And I think that's where we are. We assume that certain things will work because they worked in Iraq or they worked in Afghanistan. They right. have no chance of working at all against the Chinese, the Russians, the Turks any number of people. And we need to come to terms with that and, and back away from some of the policies that I don't think have been carefully considered in that context. Colonel Douglas McGregor, never had a conversation with you where I, where I didn't learn something that I didn't know. I appreciate your coming on tonight. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So that is the anatomy of, um, of this whole discussion. That's how it got going. Um, the conversation is an important conversation about readiness, okay? But you can see good luck, right? Good luck sorting through it and finding out that that's what it's about. So we're going to get Will Costantini on. William, first of all, uh, thanks for doing this this morning. How are you? Great. Good morning. Um, you've had a chance to, to listen to all of this and, and read all of this. Um, uh, I, moderately disturbing, right, uh, is, is, I, I would say. Um, give me your thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's offensive in a couple of ways. Um, it should offend every American citizen. You know, we, we have this uh, tradition of civilian control of the military. And uh, you know where that started, in the, the seminal event that demonstrated civilian control of our military. It's when, after the revolution, George Washington went to Congress and placed his sword before them and resigned his commission. That's how long uh, that that's been part of our DNA of our country. And George Washington very, very thoughtfully did that, knowing that that would echo through posterity and provide guidance. Uh, and that, that a militarized government uh, or a politicized military uh, could not survive uh, uh, in a republic that they were attempting to build. And so, you know, when you see the, the, 
the SecDef's spokesman, retired Rear Admiral Kirby, uh, he didn't come by his political, uh, you know, aspirations the day he took the uniform off. And then when you see Stalker, he's the he's a senior enlisted leader at Spacecom. In, in essence, he's filling the Sergeant Major's billet at Spacecom. Um, when his comment is, you know, this guy never served a day, so who's he to criticize us? You know, and it's interesting, Mac, in our lifetime, veterans, when we were kids, were denigrated, right? Guys coming back from Vietnam. And then sometime after 9-11 and, and Iraqi freedom, all of a sudden veterans became this commodity that couldn't be criticized in this country which is just almost as bad as, as what happened, almost as bad for the country as what happened after Vietnam. And now you've got a guy that I think he said he served 25 years that think, and he's the senior enlisted leader of one of our combatant commands that thinks he doesn't have to take criticism or questioning from someone who hasn't served in the military. I mean, it's offensive. And, it, and, uh, and, and, and articulates that in public. I think he said 28 years, but I, 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 the only yeah. reason I point that out to you is that you constantly criticize me about numbers. So I feel I should do that. But, I mean, it feels like he hey, has the right. criticize me? I've got a degree in engineering. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what? and you've never served a day in an engineering department. Who are Thank you? God. Who you? Thank who, God for all of us. Who do you think? Who do you think you are? But no, that that not only that you will articulate that in public. That this guy, who who's this guy, who's this guy who to have an opinion? He's never served yeah. to do it in public. I mean, it's just a, an example of of what you say in terms <laughs> of you know you're a hero. You know, thank you for your service. You know, you you know, and, and all that narrative that. It's pretty. Yeah, it's gone to people's this idea we 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 can't criticize, and and that's a bad bad thing for a for a republic that your military is you can't be criticized. Okay, and let me before let me let me stop you and ask you about this. How about as a regimental commander, your official Twitter account, right, taking on right an individual American, and then subsequently. Other Americans, in a tit for tat, that that you know were whoever who, and I hope that that person gets charged under the UCMJ, and I hope they get punished. Punished because it is not simply oh well, you know, good initiative, bad judgment, which I saw people say. It is not that. It is a it is a gross violation of the oath that that we swear to support yeah. and defend the Constitution. But think about that. That is an official account of a of a essentially a regiment slash group in the United States Marine Corps, and that went on for two days. Yeah, and and one tiny little thing about this is Boomer an insult? Yes, it is. Who's the number one Boomer in Tumaf? That would be the CG, the commanding general. Yeah, I I didn't know Boomer was an insult. Sorry, oh, yeah. I guess no, you no. know I'm at the tail end of that. So, so, so I said things offend me as a citizen. Then there's things that offend me as a Marine. And, and this is a big part of it. So 
So when I was in Iraq, we, we owned three bridges over the Euphrates River, and they were a pain in the ass, and we were going to blow up two of them before I left. And we called it Operation Ripley in honor of Colonel John Ripley. And I happen to know John Ripley a little bit, and I actually know he didn't like to be known for blowing up bridges. He thought he had a pretty good career over 32 years. And, you know, he's one of the all-time greats I've ever known in my life. And I sent him an email, and I said, you know, we were going to do this Operation Ripley to blow up the bridge. Um, and, and I said on a more serious note, you know, sir, I spent seven months over here, and something I thought about every day was making sure that our Marines carried on your legacy and made you proud. And it meant a lot to me uh, what the Marine Corps was and that, that, it, that I, that I was going to be part, that I was part of something admirable, uh, uh, and that I wanted to be up to the standard of my predecessors. And Colonel Ripley sent me an email back and he said, you know, well, it's funny when I was a company commander in Vietnam, I thought the same thing about those who had gone before us in Korea and, and World War II. And so when I see, you know, an official account and then the CEO of the, the two MEF information groups personal account congratulating. And I'm thinking, does this guy think of what it means to be a Marine? to those who have gone before him, but also those who are coming next. And that the Marine Corps can never be considered this partisan uh, political operation. Um, you know, and it's funny, I, I remember, if you remember General Krulak was, was uh, the commandant. And I think there was an assistant secretary of the army for manpower made some comment about Marines being extremists and the army was much more, you know, down to earth. And General Kulak went out and says, yeah, Marines are extremists, extremely proud, extremely fit, uh, <laughs> extremely loyal. You know, if you're going to be snarky on Twitter, that's where you're supposed to be. Uh, and to be honest, you know, why does the 2MEF information group have a Twitter account? I, I think that they should be putting information out about the Marine Corps um, to a wider audience or even to an internal audience. But I, I'm not on Twitter. The only thing I ever see on Twitter is just snarky bullshit that comes out in times like this. Um, has anyone ever had an intellectual discussion on Twitter? I, you know, I don't know. Somehow I doubt it. I don't think but, I don't think that many characters lend themselves to that. Yeah. And so, to me, the, what the official account it might be used by your PAO to disseminate information about things that go. It might be t used in times of you know crisis and weather shit, right? Going on. Yeah, that would be an absolutely. acceptable use. And then, um, but again, uh, how you get to here, right? Yeah. And how that that how the this goes on for two days, how the commanding officer congratulates the Twitter account is it gives you an idea of where 
today's military is and, in terms of we believe that 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 it's we have a right to take on people, you know, in this forum. It's amazing. And, and where does that come from? Well, you know, we had this discussion a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, when the president, the sec def, and the chairman, the commandant, when they when they speak in a scripted manner, those words have been parsed through by a lot of people. And there's a definite message that they're attempting to send out with those words. All right. Could you explain that? Because you had a, a pretty rarefied a view of the rarefied air of the of, of the upper echelons of of the of the Pentagon and certainly the Marine Corps. I, 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 you know, uh, uh, any so all those people have speechwriters, uh, and th they may coordinate with their speechwriter about something that they're going to do or say, and a message they want to put out. And the speechwriter they write the speech, and then some group goes through that. And sometimes the speeches are actually sent out. Uh, and they get parsed for what the messages are, what the messages possibly could be, that perhaps someone who's writing it doesn't even know, oh, you know, when you say these words, it means this to that kind of a group. And, and the other thing about speeches is where they're giving, and particularly at the beginning of an organization, who you talk to first and what you talk about first is absolute messaging. And when the Secretary of Defense comes out first thing and talks about enemies within side the fence, right, extremists, and when the president goes out and gives the, the speech that he gave that, that Carlson criticized, that is not messaging about defending the country and about putting our enemies on notice and about bolstering our allies. That's a messaging that's about, we gotta make sure that we feel good here. And, uh, you know, I didn't make this up, I stole it from someone. Um, and one of the watchwords of a commander has got to be, it ain't about you, it's about us. If I spend too much time worrying about you, then I forget about us. It's about the unit and the organization and the country. Um, and even when I see those tweets from the 2MEF headquarters or 2MEF information group, you know, we were in support of this and we were in support. Of, well, fuck you. Don't worry about them. Worry about us. Worry about the greater organization. Uh, and, you know, in the last thing, that interview with McGregor, I, I hadn't listened to that. But McGregor hits on something that I think you and I have talked about, and I know I've talked about for a long time, is what's your definition of warfare? You know, if your definition of warfare is sitting in the back of a five-ton rolling down a highway in western Iraq. There's a lot of people that can do that. Sleeping in a firm base every night? Yeah. If your definition of, of, of warfare is chosen reservoir or 
mountains in Afghanistan. Or the fights, uh, the last time we did fight up here, which is the fights in Northern i against the North Vietnamese Army. I was going to say, up on the DMZ, and, and, I, and I reflect back to, to Colonel Ripley, I remember him talking one time, and and uh, he didn't know what the Viet Cong were. Right. He said, that's that wasn't our enemy. He says, we were a rifle company in the field thinking that we were going to run into a platoon or a regiment any given day. Um. Yeah, that would yes, that would, that would, that would come there. to put your head on a stick, right? Yeah, that's they they weren't coming to snipe at you and you know put IDs or, or or build like punji stick pits and piss and shit on them. They weren't doing that. They were coming at you with Delta Delta One Four got overrun and the NVA had flamethrowers. They had flamethrowers. They came to put their head on a stick. And again, I, I remember interviewing Carl Marlanis and and he was talking about the idea of of, of women in the infantry. He said. I just don't understand how they would physically do what we did, which was fighting up and down mountains in the northern part of i on the western half of the northern side of i and that's where he earns his Navy Cross. And we were out there for a month or more at a time. Our utilities rotting off our, our bodies, right, our boots falling apart, right, and we, when we would go home, we, just, we would just throw it all away and, and get new shit, and we would go back out. He said that, is, that destroys the human body. He said, I don't understand. Now, again, I think, as you said, Will, when you define what war is as Iraq and Afghanistan, then anybody, anybody could do it. And again, this is, the, this is the deeper, more important conversation about standards in the Marine Corps. And, and it goes back to, you know, how do you define it? The Army has put, I don't know, millions of dollars into a new combat, into a new physical fitness test. They are shit canning it because women are failing it at a rate of 65%. After all the work they've done to come up with some form of what they thought would be, if you read about it, a gender neutral, fair fitness test, they're, they're, they're now having to take it back because in the implementation of it, women are failing at too high a rate. So, yeah, and, then, and then the other study. The other thing, so we walk it back. So, so when people tell you the standard is the standard, that's bullshit, okay? And we've learned that. The other, the other thing is um, the Marine Corps did its ground combat integration study, right? And that was authored um, by Joe Dunford, and it was run, I believe, by George Smith. It was. Right? And, and let me tell you something about those two guys. Um, I don't uh, well. I don't know George Smith that well, but everything I, I heard. Know him well. I mean, incredible integrity in both of them. Dunford, right, without reproach. I mean, and, and and if you look at a guy who's done it the way that I think Will would say, you serve and then you leave that service, and you're a private citizen again. That's what Joe Dunford has done, right? That's what, and and he has probably been besieged by people. You know, to spill your gut about Donald Trump and your thoughts on that, to to come and, you know, support whatever, you know, political party that, that he would affiliate himself, right? And Joe Dunford has quietly walked away from all of that. So, and I say that simply as a measure of his integrity, okay? So Joe Dunford wanted to provide the Secretary of the Navy with some yardstick in terms of you know, this is what you can expect if we go down this road. And what the, the, the ground combat integration study of the Marine Corps found was that the best women were equal to 
the bottom 5% of males. That was an empirical finding of the study. And so what happened? Uh, the Secretary of the Navy, you know, blew the report up before it even got to him, said it was, said it was a garbage report, that, uh, you know, the guys involved were hand-selected, the women were not. I mean, just all this stuff a politician would do. So when we get to this very, very in, important discussion, which Tucker Carlson is, is aiming at, and that is standards and readiness, it is how far down the list when we talk about things that are important in today's DOD. Yeah. If it's mentioned. And Grant, I interviewed Grant Newsom yesterday, and he said, you know, I watched Admiral Davidson's remarks to the Senate Armed Service Committee, right? He talks about extremism. He talks about um, about integration in, in our military. At Not once does he mention the Chinese advantage and numerical advantage in number of ships and them approaching qualitative, right, um, equality in terms of weapon systems. He said he doesn't mention that in the open session. Now, maybe he mentions that in the closed session. God only knows. But that's this issue that we're talking about. Yeah, and, and, and look, um, we're not here to beat up on women. There is a role for women in the military. Um, but in areas that are purely physical in nature or where requires a standard, it's ridiculous. There's nowhere on earth that there's parity in this. Um, you know, there's a WNBA and an NBA, right? Right. I mean, uh, one of the cost-cutting measures that colleges could take is let's just streamline athletics. We'll take yeah, the soft, yeah, one team. We'll take the softball team and fold it into the baseball team. The best players will play. We'll take the basketball teams, merge them. The hockey teams, merge them. The swimming teams, merge them. But you know what? I don't support that because I think that. I, I mean, I know personally, uh, playing team sports is good for kids. I think it's. I don't know if it's better for girls or boys, but I know it was, it was essential for me. And being able to play a sport and compete and do those things athletically. Um, so, so we're not saying here that there's no place, but if you try and square this circle and, and these blanket statements you see by the generals that were on Twitter and by Stalker and all this thing are patently ridiculous but it's what um, but will it's what they're expected to say yeah. and if they didn't push back on the expanded ground war in afghanistan if they never came home and talked about we don't have enough troops in iraq should we expect anything else yeah no and 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 again this is what should alarm all of them all of us because in the end it is about defending the nation you know, Carlson got one thing wrong, and Oliver North corrected him. Carlson said the only thing the military does is supposed to fight and win wars. No, actually, we should deter fight and win. Um, deterring is better. Less dead people everywhere. Less cost. Um, fighting is, you know, things get random. Winning, yeah, you got to do that in the end, particularly against pure competitors. But what what we're messaging right now to the world, I don't think deters anyone 
except maybe our allies from joining us in anything. Uh, and that ain't Tucker Carlson's fault. That's the president's, that's the secretary of defense's, that's the secretary's spokesperson. And I got to tell you something, pretty goddamn soon, it's every one of those joint chiefs as well. Uh, if, and combatant commanders, if, what, what is Space Command known for now? I mean, maybe this is part of the information operations are doing, making people look over here at the senior enlisted leader popping off about a talk show host so that we're doing some crazy shit up in space that no one's paying attention to. Somehow, I don't think so. <laughs> and what our Space Command is known for and what our 2MEF information group, which I think anyone who's, you know, remotely interested in the Marine Corps, just saying whatever 2MEF is, that's everyone on the East Coast, is talking about this. And, you know, I had a short conversation with one of my Kansas neighbors, the nicest people you'll meet in the world, you know, salt of the earth. This is the Midwest. Never served. I don't think I, I don't think maybe, you know, older uncle, brother, father or something was in the army years and years and years ago. Asked me, what is going on with your Marine Corps, Will? And I got to tell you something. When the Marine Corps loses suburban mid Midwestern Kansanites, we're in trouble. Uh, that's not what we want to be known for out there. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think of the days, uh, the last time I was in 2MEF, um, there's a guy named Wilhelm, who's a commanding general, uh, one of the all-time smart guys. Uh, and people did not mess with that man. Uh, and that probably deterred some good ideas from filtering up to the top. But it ended a lot of silliness really, really quick because it just never got started. Um, you know, maybe we should bring back the Kaiser or someone like him or someone. I don't know. The Kaiser know. was his nickname, right? It absolutely uh, was. Behind his back always, not to his face, <laughs> right? I'm sure. <laughs> way, way, way behind his back. <laughs> the um, But again, what Tucker Carlson is poking is the, this this important discussion of readiness? Yeah. Okay, and we've talked about it relative to the collision, the collisions that the Navy's had, and all the different issues the Navy's had, going to sea, just blocking and tackling, right? And um and and this inability to get it right, right? To to prepare the nation, the American military, and the idea of standards is a really important idea. That, that again, if you're going to go into that world, then there's going to be more expected of you. Now you don't have to go in there. I mean, let me. One of the interesting um, interviews I've done is, you know, uh, Marine officer talking about. Well, I mean, I don't want to be a guy. I, I'm a woman. I've had children, right? Do you know what it takes for me to be able to max out pull-ups as a woman? That means I've got to get on that pull-up bar every day of my life. So what if I don't want to be a woman? I mean, what if I, what if I don't want to be a guy and I don't want to be in combat arms? Am I going to be held to that standard? Does that mean you don't really want me anymore? 
I think that's an interesting question. Does that mean that I don't have a place in the Marine Corps? Because the Marine Corps now has to, to make all of us be women who want to join the combat arms, and we now have to go to that standard, and, and, and we get essentially run out of the Marine Corps. Interesting discussion. Yeah, look, if we had a gender-neutral physical fitness test that uh, looked at a fundamental thing and, oh, every Marine rifleman, and we had a gender-neutral test that described a day in the life of a rifleman, um, one out of a hundred women would pass. One out of a thousand would pass. Yeah, they would be the, the, the unicorns of the unicorns. Yeah, and, and at some point when you're looking at the force, right, there's no sense in recruiting one out of a thousand. You don't bother. And then you actually miss the talent that you need, not as riflemen, but in other things, in information operations, um, communications, logistics, support organizations, et cetera, all those other things. And, you know, I, I don't know if the Marine Corps had it right in the 80s when we came in. I have no idea. Um, but it's, we're, we're constantly telling ourselves a lie now. And, and, that, lie, to, and that lie is... It's, Everyone's, everyone can do it. Right. Everyone can do everyone it. Can even do though, it. right, even though we separate genders athletically through high school, college, and professionally because they're not the same in the military, then we play the emperor's new clothes. Now, let me ask you this. So where does this pressure come from? Do you see it coming chiefly from, you know, uh, the Senate Armed Service Committee? Uh, you know when you go before them you are going to get hammered, right, uh, on this issue. So w w what, who drives this yeah. primarily? Is, yeah. is, and this is, this is interesting, you know. Um, my philosophy was that, that we should pay, uh, when we're going to pay attention to our critics, uh, as an organization, we should pay attention mostly to the people that care about us and are critical of us. Um, and there are certain critics that are going to criticize no matter what we do. And you respectfully ignore them to a point. You don't have to fire back. You just ignore them. Right. Um, and I know in, in my time in the front office, uh, you know, the sexual assault issue was a big deal. And we were taking significant criticism from a few uh, congressmen and uh, one or two senators in particular. And my thought was, yeah, you got to listen to it, but hey, you know what? Go fuck yourself. None of those people were ever going to call the commandant up and say, hey, general, I know you're coming in to testify. Is there something I can help you with? Is there something that I can do to help make my Marine Corps better? No. They'd just be out there sniping at the Marine Corps. They didn't care what the issue was. And did we have an issue with sexual assault? Absolutely. Was the leadership focused on it? You bet. Is it solvable? No idea. Don't know if it's ever been solved in American society. Are we better or worse in American society? No idea. 
But I do know there are going to be certain people who are going to criticize us. But I got to tell you, when people that paid attention to the Marine Corps, supported it, cared about it, were critical of it, those are the people we should pay very close attention to. Um, yeah, the commandants go out and go up there and take shit from people on the Senate Armed Services Committee. That's part of the job. Uh, what you do with it after that, I'm not really sure. Um, yeah, not not sure I ever really, and, you know, thank God I'm not wearing that uniform and sitting up there. And again, don't forget, the commandant's job is a lot easier looking at it from this side of the desk than from his side of the desk. And I... And I, I try and be respectful of that. Sometimes I disagree with them. Um, yeah. But that pressure, though, is huge then now. I mean, can you be the commandant and not and be a standards-based guy? Right. No fucking way. Well, you should be. I mean, General Barrow, you know, the most famous. Right. Um, and, and at some point, well, and here's the other thing for me, is that um, – you know, there's, there's civilian control of the military. That doesn't mean military subservience to the civilians. Civilian control. The military has a role. And if you, you read particularly what was going on in World War II with the combined chiefs and the president and Churchill, you know, FDR and Churchill, Churchill in particular had wild stuff he'd whip on those guys, but they were respectful of that military advice. And they overruled it at times but they understood there was a partnership. It wasn't subservience. Uh, I, I sense now that there is subservience. And at some point, you know, you, you do what you're told, except when you're given an immoral, unethical, or illegal order. At what point have you crossed that sort of moral, ethical boundary when you're told that you have to design your force this way and you know that that's going to cause unnecessary casualties to the force. And I'm not even talking in combat, simply in training. That we are going to bring people in, make them Marines, which means we care about them. We have an in loco parentis relationship with them. Father, son, father, daughter, mother, daughter, mother, son, teacher, scholar, all the Lejeune leadership. And you know that when you put that particular Marine in that part of the organization, there's a huge likelihood that they're going to be injured, maybe crippled for life to meet someone's political agenda. Have you crossed a moral ethical boundary when you've done that? And I mean, I think the answer is yes. And I think that's when senior leadership has got to stand up and say, no, this can't work. And I don't know that you got to do it in an open testimony, but you've got to be able to build the case with those wackos up on the hill. Uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, during my time there in the front office, we couldn't do it because we had a wacko in the second man's office, Ray Mabus. Um, and, and, you know, I'll give the commandant at the time a lot of credit for fighting back against him behind the closed door uh, to push some of that stupidity way out into the future. But, but the Marine Corps should easily be able to build an intellectual case if they want to. But I got to tell you, when the commanding officer of the 2MAF information group cheers on this stupidity and 
You know, I don't know the inner workings of two meth, but goddamn, I hope that that meth staff meeting with the CG on Monday morning. I mean, I hope that was a everybody get out of the goddamn room, lock the doors, and we took some of the paint off the walls inside that thing. But I don't know. You know, maybe they don't think it's that big a deal. I don't know. I don't know. So terrifying, I, I, isn't it? Well, I, I think when you get that it all takes you back, though, to a honest discussion about standards, right, about standards and war fighting. You know, and again, I, I, you know, the world turned upside down during Marines United, right? And what did it turn out to be at the end of the day? I have to look at the final numbers, but, you know, 150 guys participating in this, you know, I think the majority of them were, were not even on active duty. And, 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 and I'm not sure about that fact. And I'll find, In fact, I'll look that up today. But, but it was this colossal media event, right, because it included nude pictures of, 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 of evidently active duty service members that had been shared. And it was this sexy, hot story. It turns out to be nothing relative to, the, to a force of 180-plus thousand Marines. It turns out to be nothing, right? And that sucks the oxygen out of the room, and it's this huge problem. Well, extremism. Is it, an, is it a, a, a huge problem in the Marine Corps? And, and I use the example of the, and you can give me your opinion on this, the whole scout sniper thing and urinating on the uh, uh, dead bodies. Now, I, I won't defend that. Stupid. And there was leaders there, which makes it even more stupid. And I think anybody who spent any time who's flown into, you know, a combat zone and had the thoughts we'll have. I don't know if I'm going to live or die, but I know one thing. I will not let down the long shadow of that flag raising that sits in Washington, D.C. I'm now going to be part of that, and, and I'm going to do my part. I'm not going to let them down. So for leaders, lieutenants, and gunnies to be standing there while that shit's going on, unforgivable. Because when you don't make sure that they understand the line and you allow them to cross that line... You condemn them to a life of really, really shitty memories that they have to live with. Okay, Now, if you would have asked those Marines, do you understand the historical origin of that SS tattoo? You know what they would have told you? Well, you know, it's the last couple letters in that band, KISS, right? If you would have said, oh, no, it goes back to World War II and the SS. Like, do you understand all that? In my opinion, and well, you can comment on this, they would have looked at you and said, Huh? Do you know how yeah. much the average kid knows about American history, let alone the history of World War II and the nuanced details of that? I'll give you the answer to that. Fucking zero. Talk to them and you'll see. Okay, now they might know, because they're Marines, some Marine Corps history, right? But do they know European military history? Answer, no. Am I wrong? No, not at all. Um yeah, we won't get into snipers because I could go for hours. Well, no, that. but again, the, just, the, just the whole, yeah. the way this thing blows up, yeah. right? And then what the narrative becomes as opposed to what the reality is. And so to me, when you've gone down that road and, and you're not willing to, 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 again, speak the truth and you start playing the emperor's new clothes, this is where it takes you. And there's no indication that this is going to get better. Yeah. Every indication it's- is that this is going to get worse. We're, and, we're, re, and, we're retaking oaths, right? 
you, you go back to Marines United. Yeah, I'm not proud of that by any stretch. But when I run the numbers, 150 over 240,000 Marines active duty and reserve. That means on any given day, 99.9994% weren't doing this. Shia, as a unit commander, if I could get 90% of the people doing what I wanted, I was happy. Okay, right? okay let me ask you a, a, a question because, you know, General Nellers is criticized by friends of ours uh, on a regular basis for Senator Gillibrand looks at him and says, in, in, at the Senate Armed Service Committee, General, isn't this one of the darkest days in Marine Corps history? And General Neller doesn't push back. Now, you've, you've lived on that floor of the Marine Corps. Is that a smart yeah. thing for him to do, to just to take the face shots? Because that's what his role was that day. Or yeah. does he have a responsibility in public to push back and say, Senator, look, in the long history, I'll give you a few days that were way worse. Yeah, I, I, I don't. And, and it's, you know, again, who do we take our criticism for? I don't know that Senator Gillibrand has ever voted in favor of anything that the Marine Corps wanted, right? And that's really all that is, that discussion up there. Uh, she's a representative of the people. you got to be respectful to it. But, yeah, you and I have had this conversation before. Uh, what are dark days in the Marine Corps? Dark days is uh, when we had a Marine security guard cartoon picture on cover of Time magazine because he betrayed his country, you know. That's a dark day in the Marine Corps. Uh, as you said, October 23rd, 1983. That's a dark day in the Marine Corps. Um, I've got some dark days in the Marine Corps. Uh, you yeah. know, when we, when we lost a Marine unnecessarily, that's a dark day for me. This thing, yeah, I ain't proud of it. Um, but it doesn't define 99.9994% of the force. And uh, we got some idiots out there and we try and police them up every day. And, uh, you know, thank you for your attention to national uh, defense. Right. I don't know. Well, again, do, does, does, anybody, does anybody think that, that the quote-unquote extremists in the Marine Corps are going to be anything other than a similar number? And it's going to be just a similar fucking charade? Yeah. I don't. Yeah, wait, I don't. Yeah, wait till, uh, you know... They find one of their desired extremists, whatever, however you may define that. Um, you know, they'll have General Berger up there dragging him around, and he's going to be all kinds of apologetic when it's like, stop. You know, no, let me, again. Senator, let me frame the problem for you. Here's what we think, right? So this affects, as you said, 99. Nine 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 four percent of Marines have nothing to do with this. Okay, so how much of my day am I supposed to devote to these less than one hundred and fifty human beings? Yeah, how many KKK members do we have in the Marine Corps? I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I got a lot bigger issues. I got issues with people that like to drink too much and. People that like to, you know, do other things that uh, are against good order and discipline that actually show up every day. Those are, you know, we, we got a bigger problem with people that have suffered significant mental trauma in their lives before they came in and we don't know about it. That's a hell of a lot bigger problem 
than extremism in the ranks and more likely to cause carnage within the ranks. Uh, so let's focus on that. Let's have a stand down on that. You know, we could actually get some benefit there. Actually save some lives. The, um, right, so, so when you look at this whole thing from the time it starts with his piece, uh, the, the comments by the uh, senior enlisted advisor of the Space Force, uh, the Twitter adventure of uh, 2MEF uh, information group, um, and then, you know, to include the, that, uh, the interview with Colonel McGregor. Um, to me, what's, uh, give me a couple important things to focus on. Yeah, no, number one, the, the people that are on the other side of this issue I don't know that they're hearing any of this stuff. And so they're perfectly happy. And they think that everyone in the military is doing the right thing by attacking people. Um, it's, it's demoralizing to, to, you know, someone who's sitting out here with the alumni trying to cheer on uh, our team. It, it is demoralizing. Um, and it speaks to a significant leadership gap at a strategic level. That's those generals, master gunnery sergeant, et cetera, but also as a tactical level. Look, the CO of the 2MEF information group, that's a tactical level command, and that's buffoonery. That is, uh, that, that, it's, it's beyond me how, you know, a colonel, command selected colonel. That's, I don't know. I, I, I don't want my son or daughter serving in that unit with the people of that judgment. And, uh, you know, I don't know what's going on down there since Saturday. It'd be interesting. I don't know if I, I, I know I actually don't want to know. That's their business, but I hope it's fixed. Um, and, uh, yeah, none of this is good. This is not what we want our Marine Corps known for. This is not why we served. This is not why, we serve with those men who we admire and look up to. You know, I, 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 I've said this on the show before. You know, why'd you join? I actually don't know. Um, <laughs> why'd you stay? I stayed because I wanted to be like them. Those people that I admired, uh, that inspired me, that made me better, that humbled me. I wanted to be like them. That's what we want Armory Corps to be. And if it's not that, you know, fuck, go work at Citibank for all I care. Well, uh, you know, why would you go, why would you go risk your life? Why? Yeah. If you're not going to find those, those people that, that you admire, and then the organization doesn't seem to care enough to get that down throughout, it's, uh, you know, and, 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 and let's be fair, right? This is, I don't know how many official Twitter accounts there are in the Marine Corps. So this is one that got out of control. So maybe 99.99% of them were doing the right thing. Um, so let, let's not be like uh, the people we criticize. But that being said, this is egregious stuff. And it's it's it it demonstrates some leadership deficiencies that really should be looked at in a broader context. No, I I, I said at the start that um, it's interesting that uh, 
maybe one of the first highly visible cases of extremism that the Secretary of Defense will deal with is the two, this commanding officer and whoever tweeted all that stuff from Tumef Information Group. That, that yeah. if, if, if that's what they're pushing on their Marines every day, right, um, this, that, that woke, this woke thing, that is its own form of harassment and intimidation. Absolutely. And if, and if you don't believe it, then you're in trouble. That's, that's, you know, if, if we were to, to articulate that in a sexual connotation, that would be sexual harassment. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if you were there at TBS when Diomi came up, the Defense Equal Opportunity Management Institute. I don't think so. Yeah, they came up. They had all of us up in the classroom, all the staff. And I'll never forget, there was a Marine major up there trying to explain to us how, um, you know, change in standards was good. And he got crucified in there. And I think Colonel Fawcett had to step in and basically tell us all to calm down. But you know what? We were a standards-based organization. There was a bunch of fucking mediators in there that knew this stuff matters. And you can't just spew the bullshit and, and expect us to, you know, take a nice big bite and say, thank you very much, you know, pass the hot sauce or whatever. Um, I can't imagine that session going that way nowadays. Uh, oh, no, you wouldn't say shit, right? But for the same reason what you just said as if, if you're a standards-based general officer, and you're willing to articulate that? Can you be promoted and confirmed at at, at 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 that rank? Yeah, you have to play. You have to play the woke game. And again, and and again, none of us don't believe there's a role for women in the military. There are, but the standards have to be the 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 ascendant principle, the standards that win. And I don't I don't care what those things are, but what you see. And again, I go back to General Bohm, right, saying that, yeah. well, at IOC only, you know, you only have to pass three of nine hikes. Yeah. Since when was not everything graded at the infantry officer course in Quantico? Yeah. Now, I understand that one of General Bohm's tasks was he had to walk some stuff back that people believed that was put principally into the course to eliminate women. I get that. But when you say that, right, that not, well, look, everything in the course is evaluated, right? We modified the course to, to create what we believe is a more realistic model of what's expected of our lieutenants. Okay, I got that too. But when you say only three of nine and that's publicized, I mean, you haven't just dropped the requirement? Holy shit, man. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, I hired four women. or I hired four people when I was in the Marine Corps, right? The primary... Hiring, firing decision. I hired four. Two were women. And the reason I hired them is because I got a group of packages. They had one of the best packages. I gave them an interview, and they gave the best interviews. That's how I hired people back then. I got out into the railroad industry, and I'm trying to think. I hired one, two, three, four, five. I hired six people in the railroad industry, which is a very male-dominated industry. Four of them were women. Why? HR gave me packages, resumes. I looked at them. I requested interviews of people that gave me the best interviews. Uh, there were four out of the six of them were women. It's odd. I think. I don't know. I didn't hire them because they were women. I hired them because they were the best people because 
I'm actually pretty lazy. And if I'm hiring people, I want to hire the best people. They're going to make me look good and make this unit run well. And you laugh, but you know the truth. No, I know. I Look, if you want to win, you hire the best people. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter shit who they are, what color they are, or whatever. You don't give a shit. Yeah. I, it's just, no. It's Let me tell you, what, what's discouraging is even the overture to have this discussion. Yeah. Right? The yeah. overture to have this discussion. And, um, and why is this? race by senior leaders to get to the microphone first where we have to defend women. Women don't need to, they don't need to be defended. Their performance should be their defense. An individual's performance should be the individual's defense, regardless race, creed, color, sex, national origin, or any other potential way that you can define a person based on outward characteristics. Their individual performance defines and defends them. And this idea, it's almost, uh, how would you say, discriminatory behavior that I'm the old man of the organization, so I have to go defend the girls. How fucking sexist is that? I think that's I think that's the definition of that. Let me let me go. just tell you when in in discussing tactics, um, you know, you will get into this discussion of like let's talk about ambushes. What's your favorite ambush? Right, and you oh you know people will start talking about oh, I like this I like that and and well the, the answer is right the ambush that's most applicable to the situation I'm in. Because the technique is never bad. It's the application to a technique where it certainly doesn't belong that makes the technique bad. And I would I would offer you to say the same to any qualifications, physical qualifications, and I would put gender aside. So let's just eliminate gender from the equation. If there are jobs in the American military that require certain physical skills, and you can't qualify for that, no matter what your gender is. You don't belong there. And where we get into trouble, where we put we put people in very, very difficult positions is we allow people to serve in those jobs that can't do it. And we put them at risk because they will be ostracized, right? They will be sent away. They will be ridiculed. Okay? And I don't care, I don't care what that set, that, that skill set is. And, and we shouldn't do that. And for those, for that one in 1,000 that can do it, then they should be. And I don't give a shit what their gender is. And there are women out there that can do some of this shit. They're unique. They're physically, you know, unique. But if they can do it, so be it. I don't give a fuck. But what's happening across the DOD and the Army's going through it right now with their physical yeah. fitness test. And it, that, I mean, look, put that front and center and go look, at, go look at the politics involved in that. They've spent years and years designing this physical readiness test, I think they call it. And, and they roll it out with much fanfare, and the numbers aren't what they're supposed to be. So now they got to go back and change the numbers so that they can be. And it's, it's just, you can't have it like that. It yeah. has to be the way it is, and you've got to be able to live with that. 
And, and you know, it's something. Hold on, let me, let me finish this. But the narrative is, is everybody's interchangeable. Everybody can do everything. And that is not fucking true. Yeah. But that's the narrative today. And if you want to get in the way of that son of a bitch, you will not become a flag officer or a general officer in the American military. You better be, when they're talking that shit, you better be nodding. Yeah, I, I you know, one thing about being standards-based as well is uh, you got to be a little bit careful here because pretty soon you're wrestling with the pigs. You know, the Department of Labor regulates certain, certain things out in industry and what standards can be and can't be. How do you devise the standard to be a rifleman? Is it riding in the back of a five-ton, rolling down a highway? Because your definition of the standard is going to be a chosen reservoir. But when that thing gets adjudicated up there in the Senate Armed Services Committee, and that's the part of the problem with attempting to devise standards, and the idea that we're going to have a gender-neutral standards test, you know, for all of our seven listeners out there, go look up women's world records in track and field, and then go look up American boys' high school records in track and field. The American boys' high school records, where the events are the same, you know, 100-meter dash, mile run, are better than the world's women's world records men and women are physically different um and the idea that we can make a gender neutral standard that measures anything right you can make a standard that everyone can pass it's just not worth anything well and that's and and, and the truth is that's where we're headed yeah a standard that actually discriminates discriminating in a positive way, i.e., these people are physically capable of doing tasks. These people that fail, we discriminate against them. They're incapable. A standard that discriminates, that's going to be gender neutral. Um, I don't know. Maybe it can be done. I can't. It's hard for me to imagine. And uh, I, I, again, then it gets. It can only be done if there's no difference in genders. Then it can be then it can be fair to everybody, but there is a difference yeah. in genders. But again, what we're asked to believe, though, a difference in sex, genders, I'm, I'm right, not sure right, 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 right. No, yeah. it is it's sex. I heard that. Yeah. I heard a discussion about it. So sex cannot be altered. You can identify with a gender, right? I think I think as right. that, that thing it goes, but but that's what the nation's being fed and told. And that and again, we're, no we're, all inter- it. we're all interchangeable. It's, it's only the defense of the country, right. which is no big deal until you've lost. Well, again. And it's a big deal. Right. I asked Grant Newsham yesterday. I played a little game called This or That. Do you believe that the United States, its allies, will get their act together both economically and militarily and diplomatically and assert their power in the South China Sea uh, to deter a fight with the Chinese um, or that China will dominate Taiwan uh, economically, politically, and militarily. Which one do you believe will happen first? Uh. Exactly. 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 He said China will dominate Taiwan because we won't do that. And it's, and it's this false narrative. And then by the time you realize, as you said, why do, why do nations, why do institutions reform themselves? 
They don't do it on their own. Yeah, usually not. Usually not. Usually, usually it's somebody imposes their will on you, and now you, you do it. But, you know. Yeah, and think of what the next Pearl Harbor 9-11 could be, right? Pearl Harbor, shocking, almost 3,000 Americans killed, ships sunk, led to a huge world war, 9-11, 3,000 people killed that day, and I don't know how many trillion dollars we spent, how many people we've lost since then, fighting the wars that have served. What does the next one look like if it's against a pure competitor? You know, imagine the power grid and the internet getting shut down. Ask those people down to Texas what the hell that's like. Imagine that happening that in the United States and the world being over because we've been paying attention to whatever the hell we pay attention to. And now all of a sudden we're thrown into the stone age because someone has dominated us because the senior enlisted leader in U.S. Space Command, which is supposed to be offensively and defensively protecting us in outer space, is paying attention to a guy on the on the news who he actually didn't even pay attention to. And if he did, he doesn't know how to think logically and critically through what the man said. If that's the state of what we got going on down in Space Command, you know what we are? We're fucked. Uh, so... What could that next? Well, and what's at, what's at stake in the next conflict? The rules-based order of the world? That, that yeah. is what World War II got fought to create? That That's what the next, that's what, in my opinion, that's what the next, that's what the next war will be about. Whether and, China and, will dominate the world and the world will, da- will dance to, ch- to Chinese music, right? Or we will continue to live as free nations with the free nations of the world dominating the world and, yeah. and with this rules-based order. That's, to me, what will be at stake. And and if it doesn't come out the right way, your kids ought to be learning Mandarin. Yeah, th- think that everyone under the age of 75 in this country has always been on the champions team. We're number one. We don't know what it's like to be number two. Eh, maybe it's not that bad to be number two. I don't know. I don't want to find out. I, I don't think that being number two is just a little bit worse than being number one. I think being number two in the next 50 years, you might as well be number 200. And if they don't think that having a robust, capable military force that's focused on the nation's enemies and defending against that, deterring that, is critical to making sure that we don't slip to number two. Because, um, again, once you go to number two, it's really hard to get back to be number one. If it's even allowed. What, if uh, it's possible. Let me ask you this, um, final question, and I'll let you go. What, um, what direction will all of this go? And I'll give you a couple options. Will it go the direction of women-hating you know, blah, 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 or will it go the, the path of we need to have a more serious discussion about readiness? No, I, 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 here's what I, I, I fear, but I also believe. I, I think that there will be some people admonished like, hey, jackass, why are you spending so much time spouting off in your official account against Tucker Carlson. We all know he's wrong. We don't have to worry about that crap. 
and it gets pushed underneath. The, the, the DOD is going to spend a hell of a lot more time um, looking at internal extremists, whoever they may be, uh, at least in public. I mean, there's a lot of people out there in the DOD focused on China, but they're going to spend a lot more public time on that kind of crap than they are on a serious look internally. The military is very, very far gone in this. Again, you got colonels. Those guys were commissioned in 1995. They seem pretty young to me and you, but that's pretty old to a lot of other people out there who are all in on this stuff and fully indoctrinated. Um, I, I think it's really troublesome. And um, what, what we really have to hope for as a country, is that China gets old before they get rich and powerful. Because um, that's the way that we can sort of thread the needle here, that they get really old uh, before they get rich and powerful. Um, because if not, look, we, 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 we definitely don't want to fight a pure competitor. But I don't know that we have the wherewithal to truly deter them um, you know, particularly in South China Sea and all that kind of stuff. And I just see a creeping continuation of what they're doing. And our willingness or ability to push that back is really challenging. Our allies are mostly worthless. I mean, face facts. You know, Europe is far gone. Um, we've got to find a way to muddle through, you know, through the end of our time here. Um, and hopefully uh, in our kids' time and, and, and uh who knows? But I, I it, it's, it's hard to be optimistic about this. Where's the seriousness? You know, where's the seriousness? Uh, again, we spend more time scolding people about wearing masks. Right? If you're an American citizen, you better have a damn mask. We're coming across the border, we don't give a shit. I mean, it's just, it's beyond stupidity what we have going on out there now and a lack of seriousness about what the country is. And so it seems as if the people in charge believe that the country needs to be fundamentally changed. So they don't even understand mine and yours argument. All right. All right. All right. Well, that first, well. yeah, no, no, not, that's what, uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, well. I appreciate uh, your time this morning hopping on. Um, bottom line is pretty important issue to the nation that Tucker Carlson kind of, I don't know if he stumbled into it. I don't know if he thought it would it, res, it would resonate this deeply across the country. But it, certainly uh, the interview he does with uh, Colonel McGregor, if you watch that and you're not deeply disturbed um, by those kind of comments, uh, then uh, then you're not paying attention. And uh, But every indication is that... Uh, this thing is going the wrong way and the appropriate discussion will not be had. But uh, thank you very much for coming on today. I appreciate it. Yeah. Anytime. Look forward to it. All right. There you have it. Will Constantini here on a, uh, on a Tuesday edition of Ball Marine Radio. Um, what I try to do today is paint a picture uh, from when these events began, the different things that happened, and ultimately, you know, where the American military is. And, and really, what you have is a talk show host 
that if you listen to it, and again, it's going to play again here momentarily. So if you listen to everything Tucker Carlson says, he's not come out and take a position against women. In fact, he says, if it can be proven that pregnant women are the best pilots, then we should have an Air Force full of them. That's what he says. Okay? What he criticizes is the President of the United States, right, who none of the substance of that discussion is at the front of his head. He has a social agenda with the American military, and that's what's important. And that's what he takes to task vis-a-vis the threat from China. But that's not really that's not really what you're going to hear. So um, so that's what today was about, is walking you down that path. And uh, hopefully um, you can understand <laughs> uh, these events that started last Thursday with his show. So um, we'll talk about this again. Jeff and Will and Tim will come on and, and, and we'll endeavor to, to have a serious discussion you know, about this stuff, because again, standards are important. If you ignore them, if you continually lower the bar, then you continue to, to uh, put your forces at risk and you continue to compromise the uh, standards of the American military. And again, you know, we have men's and women's sports throughout. But the goal of people is to have a, a woman be the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And in order for her to be that, she's got to have certain things. In order for her to, to do those things, she's got to come from certain communities. And in order for her to serve in those communities, we've got to lower the standards. And that's what this is about. That's what this is about. And so the business of lowering standards is bad business. puts the nation at risk. And there needs to be a serious discussion about that. And nobody's denigrating in any way. Maybe we can have a, a chairman of the Joint Chiefs who's an extremely qualified woman who comes out of, you know, a different community. Maybe that. So, important discussion, though. But again, between the smoke and the hot air and the people that don't listen, we won't have that discussion more than likely what we'll have is just Twitter feuds and how many? 288 characters, something like that now. Yeah, that's that's the intellectual depth of the United States right now. 288 characters or whatever the hell it is on Twitter, which is uh, disturbing. And if it, was, if it was just disturbing, it would be one thing, but it puts the nation at risk. And again, I I don't believe relative to extremism, you're going to find anything other than what you found with Marines United. Most of the people that that are saying stupid stuff on Twitter, the people that say, oh, he's an extremist, when you sit down and interview them and interrogate them after you arrest them, and charge them with some form of crime under the UCMJ. You want you know you want to know what you're gonna find? Somebody who's just saying stupid shit for attention. Yeah. 
But that's where we are today. Anyway, have a great day. Uh, Betty Rogers is going to join me tomorrow. So I'm uh, excited for you to hear that interview. So on this Tuesday, don't be afraid to change somebody's life. I'm Mike McNamara. This is All Marine Radio. Have a great day. And if I can help you change somebody's life, don't be afraid to reach out. I'm out. All right, give me uh, give me twenty 